So we're in Genesis 4, and we're starting at verse 11, but we're going to recap verse 10 just because we left off right there, and it's kind of pertinent to what's happening here in uh, verse 11. Now, verse 10, said, uh, he said, what hast thou done? This is God talking to Cain, right? He said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And that's where we left off. We talked about how Cain killed Abel. Abel's blood was righteous because he was innocent, right? And his innocent blood was crying out from the ground. We talked about how that innocent blood was crying out, number one, because the image of God that was in man. Amen. We talked about how in Genesis 9, God produces a, uh, or gives Israel a law, uh, Noah, he gives Noah a law and says, if any man sheds another man's blood, his blood will be required of him. Amen? And that is pertinent to the discussion that we're about to get into. If you look at the next part of this, Cain even says, if you, you what this, this curse that you put on me is going to make other people want to kill me. And this is reference to knowing that human life has value and that by taking a human life, he realizes his is up for grabs. Amen. But before we get into that, we're going to read the rest of the chapter and then we're going to talk about it. All right. All right. Starting at verse 11. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto you, or unto, unto thee, her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Now that's a weird statement all by itself. First of all, everyone that findeth me will slay me. You can only be killed once, okay? How many people's going to come and find you and kill you? He said, everyone that findeth me will kill me. The terminology is they're seeking to kill him, okay? Or seeking retribution, right? Not that everybody is going to kill him, okay? <laughs> right, yeah. The ESV says what? Whoever finds me will kill me, right? Okay, now. Verse 15, and the Lord said unto him, therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, uh, the Lord said unto him, therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any find him and should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife. And she conceived and bare Enoch. And he builded a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad. And unto Irad begat 
Mahujul, Mahujul, Mahuajul. There you go. You can say that better than me. Good luck. And Mahuajel begat Methuselah, and Methuselah begat Lamech. And Lamech took unto him two wives, and the names of the, of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal, and he was the father of such who dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's uh, name was Jubal, and he was the father of all such as handled the harp and the organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of everything, uh, artificer in brass and in iron, and the sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, and the young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God said, she hath an, uh, for, for God said, she hath appointed me another seed, and Abel, whom, uh, instead of Abel, whom Cain slew, excuse me. And Seth, and to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then, uh, then begin men to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, this whole chapter, I titled this <laughs> Cain, okay? I, I titled this Cain's Curse and the Two Different Lines, okay, or Two Lines. Because what we see is God curses Cain, and then we have Cain's uh, lineage, and then we have the beginning of Seth's lineage, amen? That's what the whole chapter ends on is Seth's lineage, there's a whole lot to get back to in talking about this, okay? The first thing that we're going to talk about is this curse that's put on Cain. Cain here, where'd my bookmark go? thought I had a bookmark. Where'd it disappear to? Might be up there. That's okay. Verse 11 is where we're at, right? Verse 11, and now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your blood, brother's blood from your hand. Now notice, we left off in verse 10 where God is, is asking Cain, why did you do this? Your brother's blood cries out from the ground. And we talked about that, that Abel's blood was crying out because of the image of God in man and because Abel was righteous, innocent, right? So Cain killed Abel, which Cain's, or Abel's blood is crying out from an innocent standpoint, meaning it needed to be avenged. It meant that something bad and evil, a sin had happened to him, amen? Cain had killed an image bearer of God, so it was an important thing. And the curse that God puts on Cain it directly deals with what Cain used to do. What was Cain? Remember what Cain did? Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a what? Gardener. 
He worked the fields. Remember, he brought the Lord of the harvest of the field, right? Grain from the field. No, the first thing that God does, it says, cursed is the ground that receives your brother's blood from your hand. He curses the ground, creates separation from, from Cain by which he will not have a good time trying to grow things now. Amen. Whereas he may have been good at it beforehand, we have every in indication that at least he knew how because he was bringing an offering of it to the Lord. Amen. So we know that he was a gardener, and here God curses the very thing that would have sustained him in his life. Amen. So this is actually a pretty big curse that's being put on Cain because Cain is being uh, uh, what, what he would use as his livelihood is being cursed. The ground from which he normally worked is now going to be troublesome to him. Amen? So God curses the ground, and he says, because it received the blood from your brother by your hand. Why would the ground be cursed because of that? Because of the sin of taking an image bearer of God's life unjustly. Amen? We know that uh, God, throughout the Old Testament, murder is a sin. Justified killing, you know, like if someone killed somebody else, justifiably by the law and by God's word, their blood was required. You know what I mean? Blood was required to atone for that sin. Why? Because the human beings have dignity. Man and woman alike are made in the image of God and deserve them deserving of life respect honor amen because we're made in the image of god and by cain slaying an image bearer of god not only an image bearer of god but an innocent image bearer of god abel's blood unjustly spilled that sin cursed the ground god cursed the ground because number one cain brought abel into the field where cain worked Notice what it says, curse be the ground, right? Let's read it. I want to read it one more time so we don't mess it up. Uh, and now, uh, and now you are cursed from the ground. I like what the ESV says. It sounds like it's saying you can't be here no more. You see that? You're cursed from the ground. I don't know what, let's go back and read it out of King James so we can get and the King James says the same thing. And now thou, and now art thou cursed from the earth. From where? The field, the place, the place that he was living, the place that he slew Cain, you, or the place that he slew Abel. You know he slew him in his field that he worked. Amen. Why else would he have done it? Anywhere else would he have done it? Amen. He he killed him right there. He said, "Cursed." Are you from the ground? What he's saying is this, and this ties back into the language of what's said later. You're going to be a wanderer, a vagabond, a fugitive. You're not going to have a place to rest, a place of peace, a place to settle, right? He's telling him you're not going to, right? That's later on in just another, what, two verses, right? Watch what he says. <clears throat> Verse 12. 
When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. So the place where he was living near his family, near Adam and Eve, near obviously his sisters and whoever else was living there at this time, okay, because you gotta you gotta understand if Cain had a wife, he married his sister. Okay? He had to. There was nobody else to marry, okay? We're gonna get into that here in a minute. But Cain was driven away from his what the field that he was working that would have produced for him a living the family that would have helped support him he would have had fellowship with he's being forced away from all that amen and when he does work the ground god says it's not going to yield to you its strength or fullness you might be able to get a couple tomato plants to grow but you're not going to get a whole field you might, get, you might get a couple ears of wheat to grow, but you're not getting the whole field. It's not going to yield to you its strength. So Cain is cursed from the ground that he could have worked to a wandering life where even when he stops to try to till the ground, it's not going to yield to him the fruit of the ground in its strength. Amen? Now watch this. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Isn't that how sin works? Isn't that how sin works? Sin always gives you, what was that old saying? I can't remember it right. Mike always remembers it. I can't remember it. But sin will take you farther than you wanted to go and cost you more than you're willing to give. And there's some other really grand deep philosophical something else that's supposed to be said right after that, but I forget what it's meant. I forget what it is. But the point is, sin always costs more than we think it does. Amen? Especially at the time, because while we're doing the sin, it's not in our mind what the sin is going to cost me. Is it? Most of the time, we don't think about, and we purposely ignore the consequences of sin while we're sinning, because we don't want to be burdened with the guilt of what we're doing. Amen? And that's reality, right? So the sin here, you know, the Cain's reaction is normal. Amen? It's very normal. Sin and sin's consequences are always far greater and more far-reaching than we understand while we're committing them. But when sin is fully formed and we are left with the aftermath, and the weight is always more than anybody can bear but Christ. The whole point of Christ's coming was that we could not bear our own sin. Because of the fall, we are all born in sin and slaves to sin and sin nature. Amen? And we're seeing it in Cain right now. Now, in this, Cain does not repent doesn't seem that Cain's like oh I'm sorry for killing my brother I mean we talked about that God said where's your brother he's like I don't know first of all that's a lie <laughs> right second of all am I my brother's keeper okay smarty pants yes you are your brother's keeper since you're the one that killed him now here's a little hint on this whole 
am I my brother's keeper? You want to know what the Hebrew right here is really saying? Is saying, am I the shepherd's shepherd? In other words, he's really poking, first of all, making a jab at what Abel did and what God accepted. And he's being very uh, uh, snide in how he's doing. Am I, my, am I the shepherd of the shepherd? Am I my brother's keeper? That's what he's saying, okay? He's like, it isn't my responsibility. I'm not a shepherd. I don't shepherd anything, right? He's being very uh, snide in his comment, okay? Next, uh, <laughs> I thought about something. Uh, the aftermath and the weight of sin is more than we can bear, more than anyone can bear but Christ. And he bore our sin on the tree, according to 1 Peter 2, 24. Amen. He bore our sin on the tree. Why? Because I am unable to bear my sin. Amen. Here's another quick fact. Moms, dads, you're not equipped to carry your son's or your daughter's sins. Christ has to carry theirs. I can't carry it. Our children need to understand that, that we're not saved. We don't save them. The relationship with us having a relationship with Jesus doesn't save them. They must be born again, just like you had to be born again. Amen. We need to make that abundantly clear in our house when we're teaching our kids about God. Amen. That they have to have their own relationship with Christ. Amen. Now. Let's go on to some fun stuff here, okay? Watch this. Cain says, in verse 14, he says, Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Now watch this. Four things that Cain protests, okay? Notice that he doesn't say right here when God curses him, he doesn't say, oh Lord, I repent for killing my brother. He does not do that, right? He doesn't say, I, I am vexed inside and I'm sinful and I see the error of what I do. He doesn't say any of that. He first says, the, the, the punishment you've given me is more than I can bear. And then he says, surely you have driven me from the ground. You have driven me from your face. You have made me a fugitive and a wanderer or a vagabond, what the King James says. Whoever finds me will kill me. Why is Cain worried about whoever finds me will kill me? Well, we talked about this when we were talking about why Abel's blood was crying out from the ground. It's because of the value God placed on human life because God's image was on man. Amen. And in Genesis 9, God says if any man kills another man, kills a human being, he, his blood, whoever killed him, is required of him. And he must die. And this is reiterated when the law is put in place, 
You can find that in Deuteronomy 19, 11 through 13, where if I slay a man, I have to be taken out by the city leaders and killed because I've taken a human being's life. We understand then that God's moral law was not established at the time of the giving of the entire 603 laws of the Old Testament, okay? The moral law was in place already and creation was well aware that God had a unwritten law, natural law that was in place that understood this, okay? And apparently his creation still wasn't getting it, so he spelled it out to Noah, and then he made it even more concrete when he put it in stone tablets. Amen? The Ten Commandments are, are not the whole law. The Ten Commandments are the moral law. That's the things that we understand from God, amen, that carry over to the New Testament, every one of them except what? Has any of them been abolished? Ceremonial law has been abolished. But not one of us can look out here and go, it's okay to murder anybody. It's okay to covet. It's okay to, it's okay to have other gods. No, none of that stuff is right. Amen? We also understand that, that God has established a moral law that transcends the writing of the law onto tablets or parchment. Amen? That's what we read in Romans, uh, Romans 1, right? That all of God, let's go read Romans 1. I want to read what I'm talking about so I don't butcher it up, okay? Romans 1. You know what I'm trying to get at right here. <clears throat> Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is real, revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. This, this without excuse part is what I want to talk to you about. This without excuse part is absolutely telling you that God had a moral standard before a standard was written and that man, all of creation is without excuse in not believing God, not following God, not running after God. We are, we are held accountable even outside of the law because there is a moral law that transcends the written code of ordinances, which is what Hebrews says, right? Isn't that Hebrews that says that? But we understand this here. God's moral law always applied being set in natural law. Who are these other people? That's, what, that's the next question that has to come up, right? Because he said, oh, everyone who sees me will try to kill me, right? Well, who are these other people? 
Because so far in the story, as far as we know, there's Adam, there's Eve, there was Cain and Abel, right? Now Abel's dead, so there's Adam and Eve and Cain, right? That's what we know for sure. What's not said here is where Cain's wife came from, how Cain established the city, right? What I'm trying to tell you is this, even though we have genealogies later on that tell us how old this person was and how old that person was when this stuff happened, we're not getting a concrete, this is how long everything went on. And we're not getting a, hey, Adam and Eve had other daughters in between Cain or Abel or right after Cain and Abel. We don't know any of that. We don't know any of it. But what is obvious is that they had to have other children that we don't know about for Cain to have a wife. They had to have. There's nobody else making babies. Just Adam and Eve right now, right? That has to be what's going on. It has to be. There's no other explanation. And we understand that the Bible, and Genesis in particular, does not always give us the whole picture. He's given us a story as limited as he is. He's given us as much as he can. It is not everything that happened at this time. Cannot be. Amen? Can't be all the children that were born at this time. Just think about this. It doesn't tell us if Cain or if Abel ever had a wife. They're obviously old enough to work a field and shepherd their own flock, their own field, and work, right? They're obviously old enough to do that, so they're old enough to also have children. And if there was sisters around, we don't know about them. Now, I'm not going to surmise that Abel had kids. What I am surmising is there was at least sisters around for Cain to get a wife. Amen? There had to be. There had to be. And we also know that after Seth is born later on, Noah, or Noah, Adam and Eve had other sons and daughters. That's exactly what scripture says. Now, just to give you a, a nugget of truth right there. Adam was 130 years old when Seth was born, okay? That's when Seth was born. Now, most people in America that have bunches of kids only live to around 70, 80 at the most, you know? And if you live past 80, you're blessed, okay? Especially today. Now, the reality is, the reality is, if we can have people like the Duggars, and I don't know how many kids they got, like 19 kids, and they're only going to live, you know, 70, 80, 90 years, 130 years, he has Seth, okay? He very well could have had other daughters in that time frame that are not talked about. Amen? Now, I want to make another observation. When she has Seth, she makes a distinct remark. I have gotten another, notice what she says. Let's go back and look at it. Uh, da, 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 da. 
when she has Seth. I gotta turn the page, my bad. Adam knew his wife again and she bore a son and called his name Seth for God said she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew. Now, she's talking about a man seed, a male seed. This is in the male form instead of Abel. So she's talking about the male. Makes no mention that she didn't have any other children. Makes no mention that she couldn't have had other daughters in between there. Amen? So we have to surmise from the story we have that they had other children that are not spoken of in this time frame for Cain to have a child or wife later. Now, let's slip back here because I want to talk about Cain. It says, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Now, this is interesting. God sends Cain away, banishes him from his presence to the land of Nod. Now, this is interesting because the land of Nod literally means exile, vagrancy, and flight. Okay? The land of Nod, the word Nod means exile, vagrancy, and flight, or wanderer and vagabond, right? The very things that he said he was going to make him, I'm going to make you a wanderer, a vagabond, a fugitive, right? And the place that Cain goes to is named that, okay? So you figure that out, okay? Uh, now, in, in Hebrew history and looking up this word, you'll notice that when they give a definition, they'll say that Nod is the land of Cain. And when you look it up, that's what you'll find, okay? So it's actually named for Cain. And when God sent him out, wherever he went was the land of Nod, exile, fugitive, wanderer, vagabond, okay? Cain, verse 17, Cain had a wife, okay? We already discussed this. I'm not going to beat this dead horse, okay? But we see another phrase that we see over and over in Genesis. He knew his wife. Now, I want to I go back here to verse 17. It says Cain knew his wife. It didn't say Cain went and found a wife. That's what I want you to get right there first, first thing. It doesn't say Cain went and found a wife. It said Cain knew his wife. This wife was already his wife. Cain had a wife, and he knew her. doesn't say he went and found a wife. It just simply says Cain found, or Cain knew his wife. That's it. It just says Cain knew his wife. That implies that they were already together. Okay, he didn't say he went and found one. It said he knew her. In other words, they copulated, right? They had babies. Even in the ESV, when you read it, in verse 17, it just simply says, Cain knew his wife. And every other translation I look at says, and Cain knew his wife. It implies that he already had a wife. Okay? So my assumption about 
Abel possibly having a wife is because it appears that Cain obviously already had a wife. Okay? That's why I said what I said earlier, because it appears that Cain has one. They hadn't had no children, apparently, but he has a wife. Could Abel have had a wife? Possible. I don't say, I'm not saying it, he did. I'm just saying it's possible because from the text, Cain had a wife. He just knew her. It doesn't say he went and found her and then knew her. It just says he knew her. Right? Now watch this. Cain found his wife, or Cain knew his wife and had a son. Now it's interesting. I want to read this. Uh, I, I purposely wrote uh, myself a note to read this uh, sliver of a note from the ESV Bible on this subject right here. Uh, Cain knew his wife. No explanation as to the origins of Cain's wife. As is often the case in Genesis, the limited and selective nature of the accounts leaves the reader with unanswered questions. Presumably, Cain married a sister. A reasonable assumption since the whole human race descends from Adam and Eve and the laws later forbid this practice such as in Leviticus 18 and 9 would not have been relevant at this stage in Genesis 5 and 4. He built a city. The precise identity of the city's builder is open to debate. While Cain would appear to be the builder on the basis of the name, and he named it after his son, the Hebrew text could also be taken as indicating that Enoch was the builder. Although the opening of the Although the opening two chapters make no specific mention of a city, the early readers of Genesis would have automatically assumed that the instructions to fill the earth implies that humanity would establish a city or cities around and then spread out from Eden. While this is part of God's design for the earth, Genesis observes that some people engage in city building without any reference to God. Now, this is interesting in reading this because they're making the same assumptions that I'm making that obviously there's other children that were not seen because Adam and Eve are the only people making babies at this point. Amen? So the, he had to have married his sister. And then he t it talks about Cain's line and how Enoch could have been the builder of this city. And that's the consensus of a lot of scholars is that uh, – Cain may have built this city, or Enoch, from the Hebrew, really looks like it's Enoch that builds the city, okay? Uh, just from what the Hebrew says. And I looked it up months and months and months ago when I looked it up for class, but I'm telling you that uh, either way, right here we start Cain's lineage. We, we, we get out of the narrative, and the last thing in the narrative is uh, right here it says, and the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any who find him should kill him. And Cain went out of the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Right there, verse 17, that's where we start the line of Enoch, or the line of uh, Cain, right? Now, it's interesting that I want you to note something here. If you go to Genesis Five, just flip over one page. I want to show you something. When we start reading 
the generations of Adam. Watch this. When we start reading the generations of Adam, it says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that the God created man, in the likeness of God made he him male and female, and created he them, and blessed them, and called their names Adam. And in the day when they were created, and Adam lived 130 years and begot sons in his own likeness after his own image and called his name Seth. And after the days of Adam, he had begotten Seth were 800 years and he begot sons and daughters. Now, we're seeing a pattern in here when they're describing Adam's lineage or Seth's lineage. Okay, what they're doing is they're giving you how old Adam was when Seth was born. How long he lived after Seth was born and his years total and that he had other sons and daughters, right? Now flip back to Cain's lineage. I want you to notice that no dates, no ages, no time frames are put on Cain's lineage. Not at all. So we can't tell who or when Cain's lineage lived, okay? Look at this. It says in uh, verse 17, Cain knew his wife and conceived and bare Enoch. And Enoch built a city, or and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad and Irad Mahuajol and Mahuajol Methuselah and Methuselah begat Lamech. Notice that it doesn't tell you how old anybody is, doesn't tell you how long they lived, and this is purposefully done by Moses when he's writing this down. Amen? A, he didn't know. B, God didn't tell him. And three, a cursed line is not, I said three instead of C, right? She's laughing at me. A, B, and three, that's how we count and uh, that's how we do our alphabet in Kansas, okay? A, B, and three. A, B, and C, C, C is uh, that a cursed line didn't even deserve the recognition of writing down how long they live, who was who, how, who begot when, or any of that. There's no time frame on Cain's lineage. Why? Because he's a vagabond, a wanderer. Maybe nobody knew when these people were born and how old they were. That's D or four. Okay, that's D. Maybe nobody knew how old they were or when these guys were born because they were vagabonds, wanderers, fugitives, living in the land of Nod. Amen? So we understand that there's separate groups of people living now. Okay? We have, we have Cain's line over here living in their city. And we have Adam and Eve and Seth. In their settlement okay now we're seeing a division of we can call it how we see it righteous and unrighteous amen through starting to go throughout the earth amen and you'll notice that Cain's son you know Cain's descendant Lamech does even worse than Cain did and killed two people right and he said if if Cain deserves sevenfold, surely Lamech deserves 77-fold, right? And we're seeing that Cain's line is increasingly wicked, right? Now, let's look at uh, 
the end of this where we find the birth of Seth and the beginning of Seth's line. Verse 25 and 26. And Adam knew his wife, and again she bore a son and called his name Seth. For God said, she hath appointed me, or for God, she said, hath appointed me another seed in, uh, instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos, and there, began, and there began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So what we do see in contrast here, remember Genesis is a narrative. It's telling a story, right? Just like the, the Gospels, they're telling a story, right? Genesis is a historical storytelling narrative book, and they're telling you a story. So what he did is he gave you the wicked line of, of Cain and, and his descendants, and he showed you that Cain's line was getting more wicked, and then he tells you Adam and Eve had another son. And they called him Seth. And Seth had Enos, and when Enos was born, men began to call on the name of the Lord. So now we're not just seeing... Uh, a, a separation because Cain is evil, we're also seeing a separation because Seth's descendants are obviously trying to follow God. Amen? And this is a pattern that we see throughout the rest of Genesis, the rest of the Bible, in humanity right now, where it gave you a whole list of all kinds of names of, of Cain's children, and then showed you that they were getting wit more wicked, right? There's only one man named Seth, and then his son, Enos, and then people started calling on the name of the Lord. Notice the disparaging, the disparity in how many people were in Cain's line and how few were in Seth's line. Jesus said, straight is the gate, Narrow is the way that leads unto life, and few there be that find it. But broad is the gate, and wide is the road that leads unto destruction, and many there be that find it. And we see man on that slippery slope even right now because the heart of man has not gotten any better. And the only cure for the heart of any human being is Christ because without him, we are lost. We are undone. Without that seed, the seed of the woman. Who's the seed of the woman? Well, Eve thought it was going to be Cain. Obviously, that was wrong. Right? Obviously, Cain didn't make things better. And then she thought it may be Seth. Because notice, she says, in the King James anyway, it says, God has given me another seed in place of Abel. We still have that seed motif going through there, meaning she has hope for Abel being the one, or I mean, uh, Seth being the one to crush the head of the serpent. Now, this is interesting. Seth's lineage goes down to Noah. Okay? Follow me here. And then, uh, oh my goodness. I just drew a blank on the most important part of what I was going to tell you. And then you got a lineage from Noah to 
David, okay? Noah to David. And I forget what line he went through now that I forgot because there was four, was it four sons of, no, three sons of Noah, right? Noah had three sons. Now I'm forgetting which one. Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Sham, okay? Jesus comes through the line of Sham down to uh, Abraham, right? And then Abraham has Isaac and Isaac has Jacob and Jacob has his 12 sons and Jesus comes through the line of Judah through David, right? So Jesus, if you go back to his genealogy, they trace it from Jesus back to Adam through Seth, okay? The reality is the seed of the woman still destroyed the seed of the serpent, crushed his head, amen? But it wasn't when they thought, wasn't how they thought, amen? The reality is we know this now, that Jesus is the promised seed, that he is the Messiah, that he is God in the flesh that came down to deliver us from sin in his own words, amen? So the reality that we see here in Genesis with the wickedness of Cain's line. And I want to make one more note because when the flood happened, lots of people think, well, God killed every wicked person. But what we see even in Noah and his sons is that sin was still corrupting the image of God even in Noah, even in Shem, Ham, and Japheth, their wives. Amen. And it started with the fruit in the garden. It went to Cain in killing Abel and then Lamech killing two people. And then you'll find out in Genesis 6 that it's so bad that God sends a flood. Right. We only got one chapter in between this happening of Cain and the flood. One chapter. We have chapter five in between it. Amen? At the very beginning of chapter 6, that's where God sees that the wickedness of man is great in all the earth, and the thoughts and the intents of his heart are wicked continually. That's the result. That's how fast sin just decimated the human race. You know what I mean? You can see it in, you can see it in Cain's children, the fact that Lamech was so wicked. And, and it seemed like Lamech was kind of boasting about it, too. Didn't it? He's like, surely Lamech deserves 77-fold. Why would you say that about yourself, okay? Oh, you see how bad you are? Well, I'm twice as worse, right? Like, I'm not going to admit that on the, you know, I don't know. No, have mercy on me. That should be the way you're talking, but they didn't, amen? Which proved their hearts were wicked, amen? Proves everything and, and justifies what God does in chapter 6 justifies it. God had every right to do what he did. And most people today are like, well, God wouldn't send anybody to hell. Are you sure about that? Have you read the rest of the Old Testament? Because we're going to. Amen. Hopefully one chapter a week. <laughs> Hopefully one chapter a week. But I'm going to get done here. I'm, I'm done. I'm just rambling now, okay? <laughs> I do have a I do have a book that I brought if you want to look at it I'm going to leave it here for a week or two 
so you guys can look at it on Sunday nights. It's got charts and stuff that on chapters that we talk about, we can look at it and, and go over information in it, you know what I mean? But uh, I think this is going to be great learning all this stuff. Amen? I think it's good, useful information. I mean, I never once took one thought about why God cursed the ground. Didn't ever think about it. He cursed the ground because that's where Abel's blood fell. And that's where Cain worked. He was taking his livelihood. He was taking what he would depend on to live. Amen? Let's stand. We're going to pray. Maybe not the most compelling sermon I've ever preached, but hopefully it was helpful. Amen? Father God, we just ask that you would bless us tonight. Lord, even when we're learning things that don't seem deep or really powerful, God, we pray that you would help us to have a love and a, uh, a desire to read your word, to understand your word, God. And we pray, God, that you help us to have that understanding that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, God. And tonight I believe it was teaching and training, God. And I hope, God, that it would cause us to see ourselves as we are and see you for who you are and to continue to, do, to rely on you for everything that we need, for our, for our faith, for our hope, for our forgiveness, for our future, that Christ is our all in all, that we need him above anything else. Lord, if, those, if there's anything that we can take out of this, and it is that, that we need you, that we are desperately in need of you. Lord, and I pray that if there's those out there that are watching this that don't know you, God, that you would reach into their life, that you would call them, draw them, woo them, bring them to faith in Christ, that they might taste of your goodness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.